I'm Mr. Ten Below. <laughs> Mr. Ten Below. I never want to see. Now that song stuck in my head. The Great Dive Podcast is hosted by your buddies, James and Brando. diving huh yeah it was uh it was a good one it was a good one great dive some really great people uh hopefully uh well i can see they enjoyed themselves so ton of work but they enjoyed themselves so. and boy did we luck out with the surface weather yeah that was uh that was very fortunate that's a big that was stark contrast to the last time we dove this location uh yeah, yeah. you know single digits and wind chills in the double digits below zero, um, which makes for a tough day. But uh, yeah, these these were nice. Plus, we had enough personnel and shelters and heat heat sources. It was great, and the yeah, cutting of the hole was great. I don't, I did not pick up a saw. I didn't either, and that's why it was so it, great. It was all done <laughs> without any physical work on our part this time. That was great. Got it done. It was nice. That's how it's supposed to be done. Us, uh, well, at least this old guy, you know, walking, towing sleds several trips out a half mile to to dive this thing, and then cutting, uh, wears on you. Wears on you. Yeah, no kidding. Um, you definitely see the, the physical work that goes into ice diving. Yeah, and then go do dives. Of course, you and I were in the water for a long time, so. I got a couple messages from people over the last week or so that our last ice diving episode didn't really inspire them to go <laughs> ice diving. I, I've, this uh, is as much yeah. as it inspired them to listen to stories about ice diving. So I, I wanted to, we, we might have to fix that a little bit because although we were a little bit negative in so much as how harsh it can be, if you're doing a good ice dive, it's very rewarding. And this past weekend was very rewarding. Yeah, I, uh, I'd have to agree with the folks that we did not emphasize the positives of ice diving <laughs> uh, as much as maybe we should have. And, and we kind of did uh, make a, several comments about the amount of work and the cold and the amount of work and the cold. Maybe the work in the cold. <laughs> I think you and I were projecting what was about to occur to us. Oh, yeah. And it, we, we may have overemphasized the work in the cold. Right. And so I think this is, this is great because we just had the weekend where the work 
and the cold for us. Maybe that maybe that's what happened is the students heard the podcast and said, we can't let these guys work or get cold. That's all there that is to be. it. Because it was pretty, you know, overall. Well done, gang. Thanks yeah. for listening and thanks for taking it easy on us. Bravo. Kudos. <laughs> but, yeah, the, the, the looks of joy and happiness on their faces, those smiles, the good time that everybody had really lifted my spirit once again. Well, that's what it's all about. The end of the day, that's what teaching scuba is all about. When you can uh, give someone this extremely unique experience, extremely uh, interesting, unique experience, yeah, that that makes it all. And I'm going to go so far as to say this is literally the best ice dive in the world. In the world. In the world. In the, I'm what go about the universe? Limb. I'm going to go on a limb and say that it's the best in the world, in the universe, too, because I am pretty sure there's no other shipwrecks anywhere else in the universe that are, <laughs> that are sitting like this wreck is well, in, the, in the shallow enough of a depth that you can do a shipwreck dive and still have the full effect of the ice dive, deep enough that you can have a nearly 200-foot-long shipwreck you know that's sitting over over 20 feet up in relief from the bottom over 30 feet wide of a beam and have all of that together at the same time the kuka is at least in the top 5 i like making extreme statements <laughs> that i have no actual knowledge or backing up to but i'm going to say them in a way that i that the people will think that they're well researched you and you never use absolutes like the best in the world. <laughs> never, <laughs> unless you're trying to make a point. Mm. Well, listen, Brando. Just to make sure that you are not truly a cold miser, yeah. I'm going to give you a quiz. Quiz me, man. One of the famous Great Dive podcast quizzes. The Great Dive Podcast Quiz Show. <laughs> Starring your host. The Great Dive Podcast Quiz Show. It'll make you laugh. It'll make you cry. It'll make you want to say goodbye. We are going to test your ice diving IQ today. And the people's ice diving scuba IQ. Can you be an ice diving genius if your scuba diving ice diving IQ is high enough? Can you literally be a certified ice diving genius? If you pass this test, you are 100%, yeah. you will get a Great Dive Podcast scholarship to MIT <laughs> <laughs> for, for the scuba diving program at MIT that uh, Brando and I are petitioning to let them teach for. <laughs> let, let us teach for them. Yeah. Or, or like those... Uh, little games on your phone, the little app games on your phone where you get the advertisement that says if if you can can get this score, you are legally skilled. You are a genius. You are legally skilled. Oh yeah. One percent if you can if you can determine <laughs> if you can pick what type of an apple you would be, you could be a genius. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just want to be legally skilled. I don't know who came up with a that wording to advertise these games but genius 
That right there is genius. Now, back in the early days, Skin Diver Magazine used to have in every issue the Scuba IQ Test Your Diving Knowledge Quiz. That kind of went along with usually like the cover story article, something along those lines. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it was about fish knowledge. Sometimes it was about (laughs) deep diving knowledge or gas mixtures, something. Test your fish knowledge. Okay. Now, in the winter of 1976, it was about ice diving. Test your ice diving knowledge. They say at the beginning of this quiz that ice diving requires special preparation, equipment, techniques, and attitude adjustments on the part of all divers. Some practices for ice diving are broadly accepted, while others differ regionally. Seek a formal orientation to ice diving in your area. You can test your knowledge of some standard ice diving practices by answering the following questions. Answers are on page 30. What page? I won't look them up. And and that's and that's true, I think, even still today. I think there's still some local variations to how, mm-hmm. how the ice diving has officially run. Okay. You know, per area. I'd agree. Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, you have to cha- change things up. Sometimes you have some unique, you know, situations or uni- there's a unique aspect to the environment that uh, call for a little change in the normal operating procedures or the SOPs. The conditions don't always present themselves so you can run the same ice class the same way year after year after year. For instance, this year we had zero snow right on the surface. So you couldn't shovel out your rings the lines on yeah. the surface. Rings and arrows pointing in. Yeah. Yeah, that was uh, an impossibility this year. You know, different ice divers, different instructors, although there's a there's a thought about what to do with the chunk of ice. Yeah. We do it a little bit different. Well, yeah, I guess. I guess. I mean, ours is still acceptable. Our way. Have you tried uh, the old cutting up uh, the triangle and the blocks and pulling them out, pulling it out? I want to say that's what we did on my very first one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the yeah. blocks were pulled out. Right. I've done that before. I don't know. It just kind of makes a hazard around the working area for us, you know, as far as giant ice blocks uh, everywhere. And if it, they freeze up back on the surface, you're kind of stuck because you can't get them off. And if they are you know on a slick wet surface you know there it's a slipping hazard and tripping hazard because there's a lot of activity going around the the hole yeah there's one of the most valuable things is definitely having somebody running the surface can't stress it it enough it, it there are many moments where it just it turns into chaos really fast with just helping the divers in and out of the water mm-hmm helping the divers get into the water, people who are way colder than they had expected and having a difficult time getting in and out of gear while other people are trying to get hooked up to lines. It it can be a lot happening. So having somebody whose only job is eyeballs open, managing the scene Mm -hmm. is a 
huge benefit to running a successful ice dive. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, that you can't uh, overemphasize the importance of the the surface manager because that that environment is it's a little tricky. If you got, especially if you have, you know, what do you have? A dozen people up on the surface on a slippery surface with a hole into ice cold water. Well, hey, you got a number two pencil with you today. I have a number one and a half. Uh, sharpen that sucker up. Okay. Well, I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you the quiz. Do it. Quiz me. Are you Are you ready to take this quiz live on on the airwaves? That these airwaves could be spread all the way to the Mars rover Perseverance to Martians. Nice. Are you ready to to put your name on this quiz? I am. I am more than ready. I again, I've said this before, but I'm not afraid to fail, fail a quiz, in front of our 148 nations of listeners. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't. I don't think you should be able to. I don't think you should feel bad about failing a quiz because it's not the final exam. You know, right. the quiz it's just is a just quiz. a test where your knowledge is at at a particular point, and you know you, you got to. No, like, do you maybe need to go back in time so that you can fully pass this test from 1976? And and if I need to, I will. <laughs> That's why we built so. the Great Dive Podcast Time Machine. <laughs> it's it's made out of an old uh, Tecna scooter with a flux oh. capacitor. <laughs> in a hot tub. <laughs> as soon as you hit 8.8 feet per second. Gigawatts, yeah. <laughs> Is it gigawatts or gigawatts? Yeah. Gigawatts. gigawatts. 50,000 gigawatts. Yeah. You can go back into time. And we feed it banana peels. Question number one. Ice diving can be safely enjoyed by anyone. Here's your three answers here. False. A, in, in good health and a certified diver. B, in good health and possessing advanced training in ice diving techniques. Or C, under 40 years of age with 50 logged cold water dives? Um, I'm going to go with B, an advanced diver who's been trained. You can safely, an advanced diver, healthy, who's been trained, can safely undertake ice diving. Is that right? That is correct. All right. They say in good health and possessing... Advanced training in ice diving techniques, ice diving is a specialty and requires experience and training beyond the basic level plus specialized training in ice diving techniques. Meaning you've got to get out, get some experience, get comfortable diving. And we had mentioned this in last week's episode is, you know, you got to have all those new dive jitters out. Right. You've got to be comfortable in the water in just regular open water situations. Well, yeah. I mean, can you and, imagine? And you can see, yeah, and you can see that, you know, even the, the the strongest of of divers, it's a little overwhelming the very first time you go under the ice. Right. Right. You've For got sure. the water below you to deal with. You've got your buoyancy to contend with. You've got this line now that you have to contend with. It's overwhelming, and it took most of the divers their first two dives to really have the mental space to not have problems with the line. Right. Yeah, until you get used to it. I mean, and, and to and be I, honest, I, to, you're going to need more than, you know, 
three, four, five, six dives under the ice with a tether to get used to, A, being tethered, and B, diving under the ice. Yeah, and I don't mean they're getting completely tangled right. up in the line, but, but just that constant awareness and management of it in a really clean and efficient way, it takes a while for your, your brain to be able to absorb all that stuff that's going on. On top of your, your depth and your gas planning and awareness. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was a conversation I was having with, with all the divers at the end of class, you know, were you really managing your class or was the, the cold water and the conditions so taxing that you just made it back mm -hmm. within those limitations? Yeah. And really for everybody, it was, oh yeah, that's something that I, I haven't really been given the appropriate attention to because I'm so overwhelmed with all this other stuff. So it takes you a few dives to really get into the groove of something like that. And another reason you should do it with an instructor that, that knows, you know, how to do this and, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and to watch out for you. So Number two, ice diving can begin in most inland lakes. A, when the ice is a minimum of five inches thick, B, when the temperature has been below freezing for 30 days, or C, when the danger, thin ice signs have been removed. <laughs> well. What is this, a Bugs Bunny cartoon? I was going to say, two, two answers are patently false and not true. So it's, it's got to be A, we have five inches of ice. Um, and the, the thing I would say, too, to add to that is you can do an ice dive from the shore if the ice is two inches thick. You don't have your five inches to get out on it, right? Correct. Right. It's so. just you're not standing around the hole right, you're standing. on the ice. You're standing <laughs> around the hole from shore. Yeah, you can be on right, a dock. So you can be wherever, you know. Yeah. yeah, and so now I can run the line and tend that line mm -hmm. from a, a structured surface. Right. So you're still under the ice. You satisfy that requirement of the ice diving class. And you still get the idea and, and the techniques and how to run an ice dive. You know, you still have to have safety diver. You still have to have tenders. You, you know, all that stuff. You have to keep that area safe as well. It's just a little but, easier. But to do a dive like we did, mm -hmm. where you're over 2,000 feet from shore, mm -hmm. out of the middle of this big lake, to do that on only two or three inches of ice. No. Right. No way. Negative, That's yeah. way too thin. Although you could stand on it and walk mm -hmm. around on it and maybe even jump up and down on it. To cut a hole and work from the edge as the water's, you know, you know, essentially melting away mm -hmm. that ice more and more and more as the as the day goes on would be way too thin. Yeah, I mean I was glad we had our eight to ten inches out there. Uh, even five inches, I would have felt a little leery about. But um, yeah, with with yeah. a work in a hole like that, I, I agree. I I would say eight inches to have that many people working around a hole. I, I'm a bit uncomfortable with less than eight. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. Yes, you got that one right again. By the way, <whistles> now they they say that when the ice is a minimum of five inches thick. This thickness is required to support the entire ice diving operation, consisting of several people plus a lot of equipment located in a small area. So mm -hmm. that's what you need for ice diving is thickness of ice to support the divers out there. So that's two for two. So am I getting closer to two. this? Uh, to Look this, at the am big I... brain on Brando. <laughs> am I getting closer he to is, this? <laughs> he is the cold miser. 
comes to ice diving miser. The the uh, that MIT scholarship. I'm I'm that much closer. I can feel it. Question number three: When choosing the ice diving site, the diver must a consider the size and shape of the lake. B be careful not to choose a snowmobile trail and C utilize prior knowledge of the intended site. I'm going to have to go with C. I mean, yeah, you do need to be aware of the snowmobiles, but you know, block it off, put up some cones, put up a caution tape. There's a lot of ways you can make the snowmobilers aware that you're running an ice diving operation. And yeah, I mean, Nobody has, like, exclusive rights on the ice like that. Like, oh, snowmobilers already got a trail going through here. You know, they've already ran across this lake on their snowmobile, so we can't, we can't cut a hole anywhere now. Yeah, yeah it's kind of free game. Right. I, I mean, Whoever gets there early enough in the morning right. and cuts the hole, you know, they, they, they get access to that spot. Right. And they can go around us, you know. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I have to go with prior access or prior knowledge of the the lake you're diving. The answer is C. Yes. Utilize prior knowledge of the intended site. Ice dives should take place in areas you have explored prior to the onset of the ice cover. Imagine going to the middle of a lake, working hard to cut a hole in the ice and finding the water only six feet deep. Son of a That would suck. Although, right, so ideally, yeah, you want to know something about the water that you're in. I was going to say, although on a nice dive, six feet deep isn't horrible. I mean, the only problem with it is stirring it up near the entry point when people are jumping in, right? Right. Um, but where you want to dive, I mean, most of the dive on a nice dive is is near the ice. So the majority of the dive is spent near the ice exploring and, and just enjoying that unique beauty of uh, the water and ice and that environment okay so this next one this is a tricky question the minimum number of participants for an ice dive is six a four b six or c eight i say c or b six you've got two divers on a line with a tender, so there's three three people, and then you've got two safety divers on a line with a tender, and there's six. There's six, and that's the answer. The minimum number of participants in a safely conducted ice dive is two divers, two line tenders, and two safety divers. Son of a bitch. And that still holds through today for most of the standards that I've seen mm-hmm. when conducting a class. Right, you've got two divers in the water on a line. You've got two divers sitting ready to go on a safety line just in case there's an issue. And then a tender for each one of those. Mm-hmm. So in order for one person to safely conduct an ice dive to standards, it takes six people. That's why we were saying last week how how the human capital that's required in order to be able to pull off an ice dive yeah. Is, it, is it an extreme event, right? Just to get the hole opened up is work. Getting the hole ready to accommodate cold weather conditions is work. Plus all the people just to safely run those people underwater, under the ice, takes a lot of work. Yeah. 
definitely a, a group activity. Uh, the, and I would go so far as to say the more the merrier in, in the sense yeah, of no kidding. preparing <clears throat> hot water and some food. And, you know, what we didn't have this year that was brought up was coffee, which we should have yeah, had. Yeah. You know, I would have enjoyed that. But anyway. Question five. The correct way to fasten a safety line to an ice diver is A, around the right wrist, B, around the diver's waist and under the equipment, or C, tied to the scuba harness. I'm going to have to go with C. You need a harness and you need a way to attach it, preferably something like a locking carabiner. A good locking carabiner, not one of those crappy locking carabiners that you can break easily. But, yeah, I have to go with C. It's got to be attached to the harness, and the harness has to fit underneath the BCD. Now, they say C tied. I know, and that's what I mean. scuba harness. Right, that's why I was saying a, a locking carabiner in my book is way better than some clown making a knot he or she believes is going to hold up. You know, you know how how often does that work? I mean, wait, wait, I could do a bowling. I know well. I go, well, I know I go you can tie around the, the apple tree, <laughs> tree down the down hole. past the farm, <laughs> down past swing, the farm. Where'd swing the farm by the <laughs> swing by the the the, the, the farmer's rocking chair <laughs> and then back out the the foxhole. <laughs> I, I know I know the bowling. Right? It's, it's wait. No, this this isn't. I think this that isn't was, tight uh, at all. Hang on a minute. No, it's through the foxhole, around past the tractor, back up. The driveway. Uh, you sound like you you should be calling square dancing in a barn. <laughs> Swear around are you, the tractor. Are you saying you're, you're making a D here, a carabiner? <laughs> now, in 1976, they said B, around the diver's waist and under the equipment. The line should be tied snugly using a non-slipping knot, such as a bowline a properly made harness that fastens securely over the suit and under the equipment is preferable to the rope around the waist. Over but the sport suit. Divers Did may they not have a, <laughs> they say, uh, but Oops. sport divers may not have the proper harness available. The line should not be tied to the scuba tank or other equipment because of the danger of slippage. A rope tied around the diver's wrist may stop circulation if tied tight enough not to slip off the wrist. So this is in a day where having a, a a nice harness wasn't quite as available to what is available today. Well, they and were. Today, they... The, the standard is, yeah, tie off to a, a continuous webbing harness, either one you wear under a conventional BCD or to an actual backplate and harness that is not going to be able to come off the diver. Oh, I would go so far as the stuff like a harness was available. They just didn't put the two and two together. They, you know, it's just, you got to remember <laughs> how this all starts. Grab some rope, tie it around you and go under, right? Which uh, is what they originally exactly. were doing. So here in the seventies, they're trying to put a little bit of knowledge. This was right. the early days of trying to put that knowledge into the game. Number six, cold weather requires equipment modifications, including a, oiling metal buckles and tank valves. B, adding extra layers of cement to seams 
to prevent splits and tears. Or C, converting plastic straps to Velcro, neoprene, or webbing. What? <laughs> what? I, I was waiting for them to say uh, equipment modifications like, I mean, they left out changing your, for example, regulator or, you know, get it ready, service so that it can handle cold water, you know, put the ice cap on it or whatever they, they do. I mean, I know different piston rags, you'll put some silicone into it, into the uh, chamber there on the first stage or, um, you know, use a diaphragm rag. Sometimes they, they put that little cap. I remember the Poseidons used to put that, that rubber cap on and fill it with uh, vodka. vodka, baby, yeah. They say C, converting plastic straps to Velcro, neoprene, or webbing. Plastic equipment straps easily crack or break when flexed under cold conditions. Well, that plastic did back in the day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the the quality of the the strapping wasn't made for this extreme temperature back then. So they're on on the same page, although yours is a little bit more updated. It's preparing your equipment for the extreme temperature Mm -hmm. of that very, very cold. So did I kind of get that one right? Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, gonna give, give that to one to you. I'm gonna give that one to you. That's a little outdated question, or at least the answers are outdated on this particular quiz. But, but we can still get the idea. What about this fly ass butterfly collar suit I'm wearing as the <laughs> game show host? Fly ass. And my swooping, and my swooping side part of my hair <laughs> greased down with brill cream. What about that? Is that outdated? <laughs> no, that never goes out of out of style. That look. What about dressing Tiffany up in this elegant, sparkly dress to to turn the answers over and light up every time uh, we show the answer? Like, is that outdated? Not in my mind. I know some cancel culture may say that's horrible. That we can, we're not allowed Tiffany, to look you're at doing beautiful a great job today. assistant the lovely, ladies. The lovely <laughs> Tiffany. You keep turning those uh, turning those answers over. Yes. Question number seven, the minimum, the minimum recommended exposure suit for ice diving includes a quarter inch wetsuit, gloves, hood and boots. Again, this is the The minimum. Yes. In the 70s. And the answer is in the 70s. B, a quarter inch Farmer John wetsuit, mitts, hood and boots. Or C, a dry suit with long underwear. But they didn't say hood and gloves with the dry suit. Ah, tricky. Tricky, tricky question. Yeah. Tricky question. What are we thinking today? Can you say A again? Was That was just the quarter-inch wetsuit with the hood, glove, and boots, right? Correct. And then B was just – did it just say – Farmer John only? Yeah, me- meaning like a two-piece, Farmer John and jacket. Oh, they didn't say the jacket, which threw me off, so yeah. And okay. they, added mi- they added mitts instead of just gloves. I don't think you need, I don't think it's mandatory. To have- I don't think mitts make you that much warmer. Now, James, have you do- you've dove, I dove mitts like a half a dozen times, and I said, okay, these are for the birds. I agree with um, you. Because the mitts typically have three fingers uh, alone and then one finger alone and the thumb alone. So your finger and thumb freeze 
three fingers are pretty good. Finger and thumb, forget about it. Yeah, and so then your your index finger and your thumb are frozen. Right. But you do have three out of the five fingers that are a little more comfortable and, and right. uh, pliable, but they're trapped inside the mitt part, so you can't really use can't the, use the only yeah. three fingers that can wiggle <laughs> to make any signals. Exactly. I, yeah, I agree with you. The, agree. the thing, the, the finger and opposing thumb, you know, that you really use for unclipping anything or doing anything, you can't use because they're frozen solid, so I'm not a big fan of mitts. But I would, I would say if I'm going back in time in our hot tub TGDP time machine, that they would just say the um, quarter-inch wetsuit. No, I'll go with the Farmer John, the the mitts, hood, and boots. There you go. You okay. would be correct, Amundo. Yes. I'm trying to, to put my As mindset Tiffany in the 70s. turns over the letter B for us. Yes, they say that a standard wetsuit does not provide sufficient insulation for the vital organs. The extra layer over the torso provided by the Farmer John pants adds insulation and reduces circulation of the water in the suit. The hood needs to be the cold water type with a large bib, and the mitts should be the three-finger type. Um, but today we know that w- with what has happened with dry suits in the 40-plus years since this article was written, dry suits really the only logical right. way to go. I have to put myself back in the mindset of the 70s. So you're going to have to excuse me for a minute. I got to go put my bell bottoms on. And I have white bell bottoms with one of those satiny, silky shirts. With the butterfly collar, just like in my my fly-ass leisure suit I'm wearing right now hosting this game show. And I do have some uh, (laughs) high-rise shoes to boot. I'll put on some stain-aligned. And I I am sick and tired of this big modern day microphone i'm gonna get one of those long skinny ones that bob barker used to always hold yeah gene rayburn uh they had those those really cool like 16 inch long skinny microphones so i'm gonna go change into my uh my garb to help me get in that mindset and i'll put on a little staying alive uh saturday night fever sounds good theme. i like it i like it i'm gonna do the same thing i might uh take a quick bathroom break and in the meantime, here's a little word from our sponsor. <laughs> okay. It's coffee out here. Hey, are you going diving this weekend? Keep your mask clear with the one, the only, PFAR. The professional's choice. 100% all natural. Reliable clarity. PFAR. Refill daily. Keep your mask clear. Never fear. Default with Default. And we're back to the Great Dive Podcast Quiz Show, your favorite quiz show, the only one, number one quiz show, giving you all the scuba knowledge, scuba quiz show here for you today. Nice 70s garb. I am impressed. How did you get that mustache so big and full (laughs) and gigantic? Shaved and manicured so big, you can't even see your top lip anymore. That is perfect. Well, you got to go, you know, full authentic seventies. Don't halfway it. Man. And and I I never thought I'd see you with 
flowing feathered hair again, but you oh, look marvelous. Yes. Okay, so continuing on with our quiz show, as you can see, the lovely, elegant Tiffany standing beside question number eight. Single hose regulators may be used in place of double hose regulators while ice diving if A, care is taken to avoid exhaling through the regulator before going underwater. B, the regulator is kept in a warm place until the last minute. Or C, an octopus rig is used. I would go with A as far as you don't want to breathe off of it before you get in the water. I mean, it's always good to have yes. an octo, but yeah. Back yeah, then, so they in, still taught buddy breathing. In a time where the yeah. octo was still optional, you know, a it's maybe, optional. maybe not, mm -hmm. you know, for a lot of divers and a lot of instructors and a lot of yeah. classes. They taught buddy breathing, you know, yeah, true buddy breathing. Teaching buddy breathing was like the, the main go-to. Yes, A is correct. Exhaling into a single hose regulator before entering the water can lead to regulator freeze-up when the moisture in your breath condenses and freezes inside the second stage. This does not occur with two hose regulators since the pressure reduction stage is surrounded by air, not water. This was a nice little discussion we were having on our Zoom party the other night, brought up by the world famous, world famous, his uh, encyclopedia, encyclopedic brain, his encyclopedic scuba brain, although so much relates to scuba at the level that, uh, you know, these guys are diving. They're from, you know, material engineering and molecular engineering, all, all this stuff that he has a background of, the things that he knows, and a couple other people there too. But this, one, this guy in particular brought this up, and he was dead on, and I, I didn't think of it till, till after he brought it up. But Yes, his encyclopedic mind – his glowing beacon of odd scuba knowledge and facts that come popping out of, of good old Tom's on our Zoom party shows mm -hmm. brought this very point up, right? That this isn't an issue on the old double hose regulators. And he told but, us why, uh, too. This, that's that's this, the cool this, thing. Yeah, and this is why we say in the, in the class and everybody talks about how important it is prior to getting into the water of what you do with your equipment is more likely to be the cause of the freeze up than the cold water that you're swimming in. Yeah. Typically the water is warmer than the environment outside of the water. Typically. Yes. Right. Yeah. Typically you're warming your gear up when you get into the water under the ice. So how does as, that as, make you feel? As, <laughs> as, how, as, as terrible as that'll make you feel. And as hard as that is to comprehend for a lot of people like, wait, Getting in the ice water is actually warming things up. Yes. Except if you're if you're a cold miser, you love that. Okay. Number nine. Line signals must be A prearranged and simple. B in accord with the national standard. Or C answered first by the line tender in case of an emergency. Sorry, James. I was going to say a little thing about the um, the water, why it's still 
colder in the water to a human. Go f- go for it. Okay, okay so I'll, to I'll come add back to that. This. Okay. Yeah. So so yeah. Add, so add it up. So we were because saying how important it was, it was to get in the water right. and how you're actually getting into warmer water then, than the environment right. as you go ice diving. Yeah. Go ahead. Right. The war- Although the water is warmer than the air, typically, you know. Typically, it's, you know, 20, say it's 20 degrees outside and your water's at 37, 36, whatever it is. It's still warmer than the outside air, but that water is going to cool you down much, much faster uh, in, in the range of like 25 times faster. Typically, you know, that's about how much faster you're losing heat underwater, period. But in, in that temperature, even at 35 degrees, right, 36 degrees, 37 degrees, and the air being warmer or uh, cooler than that, the air feels cooler. Just because the specific, that's, what is it, the specific heat index, whatever that's called. It has a thermal conductivity, right? That's what it is. A specific heat is a thousand times greater than air, water's specific heat. As Tom would tell us. Tom would know this. And <laughs> okay, that, Tom. Where is Tom when we need more? him? Yeah, I'm more of a, yeah, I get the general gist of this, this uh, rule, and this is why I get it, and I understand but I forget the uh, specific numbers a lot. I have a lot of numbers floating around up there. Just <laughs> random numbers. Look, there's three birds. <laughs> Two dogs over there. Okay, how about nine? Like, number nine. nine. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> In the quiz. Nine questions. Line signals yeah. must be A, prearranged and simple, B, in accord with the national standard, or C, answered first by the line tender in case of an emergency? Um, I have to go with A, prearranged and simple. I don't think, I look at the B, and I know nobody's, you know, at least from like the commercial world, nobody's using the standards from the commercial world. Well, they're a little more complex. And Tiffany, what would the answer be if you can turn the plate the answer is a arranged and simple. They do say that standard Navy line poles are widely accepted, but not required. The signals must be simple, agreed to, and understood before the dive. Right. That's why we run with. There's three poles. Right. One, two, or three. I'm okay. I need line. Get me the hell out. You don't need to go too crazy with with the line tending signals but the and the the trick is also for these new students that are taking this up is it takes some work to understand was that a even a signal or not a signal right because their awareness is so drawn into just being under the ice it takes a few dives before that stuff's even clicking and registering well oh yeah i mean not to mention the uh just the tenders they'll have gloves on you know the subtle little poles, if they're not strong enough, they aren't, they aren't going to feel them. And learning to to handle a tending line, at least, again, I go back to the commercial world, that's a lot of training. That's part of the, you know, many weeks of, of diving that you have to do and the experience you have to get before you're released to the real world of commercial diving. So you have to learn how to tend someone, which is all about feeling those signals, yeah, and, and three dives in your ice class is a good start. Yeah. But it takes work, like anything else. You got to keep familiar with it. Yeah, you got to keep up with it. 
Tiffany, where do we go next? Yes, we go to number 10. Number 10, the 10,000 point question. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> Are you ready? The spoke-like pattern sometimes shoveled in the snow around a dive site is useful for A, good hole management and surface organization. B, increased light penetration and a relative sense of direction. Or C, indication of the dive site by air crews in emergencies. Well... I'm going to have to go with B. B. Yeah, I'm not even going to discuss B. it because I don't think air crews <laughs> will, <laughs> will need the giganto spoked wheel. Brandon, Joe is dying of hypothermia. Could you go shovel SOS <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah. into the ice real quick? Help. Get the, get... Yes, the answer is B. B. Spokes shoveled in the snow down to the ice and going out from the hole improve light penetration underwater, provide relative direction to divers under the ice, and give boundaries for underwater distances. Yeah, it does help give you an idea, you know, how far you're out. Which way yeah, you're on, a hundred, you're on a 100-foot line, so, it, you know, if you've got that, that outer hole or that outer ring at the 100-foot mark, you've got another inner ring at the 50-foot mark, right? From the outer one, hopefully you can see the inner one. And from the mm -hmm. inner one, hopefully you can see the hole, right, as, as you move along. Yeah, and we, we uh, shovel the arrows pointing towards the the hole on the spokes, right? But Yeah, and it works out. I was just going to say, but say you don't have good vis. Say you only have 10 feet of vis. If you've ever dived, you know, under the ice in, in 10 feet of vis, which I have several times, it's... yeah. That extra light certainly is helpful, but it's also nice because you do get a better orientation of, okay, this is where the hole is, you know, without having right, to look yeah. at your compass or whatever. Um, so it is helpful in that respect. And you can make cool pictures. I forgot about that, the shoveling of the snow. It's not really the spokes and the wheel, but you can do some cool ice diving graphics artwork like James Mott has yes. done. As witnessed by our Pure Michigan ad a couple years ago. Pure Michigan. That I really think if we didn't have iPhones today and everyone still was required to have a Atlas in their car at all times, mm -hmm. that would have been the cover shot of the, the Michigan AAA. Agreed. You know, uh, 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 Michigan map, that, that awesome ice art we did a couple years ago hands down the winner yeah question number 11 safety lines brandon safety lines safety lines a should be attached to the diver's waist or harness at all times should be colored for better visibility is b or c should be warmed before the dive to prevent knots uh, I have to go with A. A. Tiffany, reveal the answer. And the answer is A. <laughs> the diver is to be attached to a safety line at all times while diving under the ice. Harnesses have been developed for attaching the line to the diver and have been found to be the most effective method of attachment. Homemade harnesses are not recommended, they say. Unless yes, you are a professional harness maker that Unless you just happen to, 
They in, really in your spare time make a couple of homemade harnesses. Yes. Supposing you got a little harness Etsy store. <laughs> maybe maybe your harness isn't necessarily designed specifically for ice diving, no. but you're told by a customer that it could also be dual purpose and used for ice diving, your other type of harness. As maybe well you as could. you maybe you could make your own. But <laughs> what else would you be using these harnesses for? Um Tiffany. (laughs) (laughs) Let's move on to question number 12. Effective safety divers must A, always be the most experienced divers in the group. B, be completely geared up at all times. Or C, be used whenever a diver fails to answer a line signal. An effective safety diver must be the most experienced, completely geared up at all times, or used whenever a diver fails to answer. Completely geared up would be my my logical answer. I mean, you do have to use them if a diver fails to answer for a while. Sometimes they fail to answer because they're not receiving the signal strong enough. They don't you know they don't get it so you might slowly pull them in a little bit and then they'll signal you you know bring bring the slack off of that that tether but um yeah i mean the re they don't have to be the the most experienced right they just need to be geared up and ready to go if you go by that you know the safety diver just sits there all day he can't go in the water because if he goes in the next you have to go to the next experience, which isn't the most experience. Yes, of course. And that, at some point, that diver is going to want to go. Right. So to be a safety diver, you don't have to be the most experienced. You just have to be in an ability to be able to help out mm-hmm. and provide safety to at the a, other diver. In the at water. a moment's notice, James, is the thing. Because you might be you know, scrambled to go, like hit it and go uh, real quick. And you can't be fooling around with the gear it's got to be locked and loaded and ready to rock boom yeah it's not the the safety diver isn't eating a sandwich a sandwich hey we need a safety (laughs) diver okay give me a couple minutes (laughs) right the safety diver's sitting there rigged up ready to go Mm -hmm. at a moment's notice question number 13 lucky number 13 everybody 13 safety lines for the divers generally do not exceed A, 50 feet, B, 100 feet, or C, 150 feet? B, 100 feet and 150 feet for the safety. My, my answer would be, you know, for the divers themselves, they get a 100-foot-long li- line, and then the safety divers get the 150-foot-long line, and that's how... Uh, the standards were when I was teaching ice diving. Yes. So today we're limited on overall linear penetration, including depth and distance mm-hmm. from the hole, o- right? Yeah, any overhead, And yes. we have those divers on 100 foot. Back in these days, the divers were limited to a 150-foot radius. Son and the safety of a divers were on a 250. Bitch. Nowadays, they've, they've cut that back quite a bit. So the divers are on 100. The safety divers are on a 150. Is that because in their dry suits, they had bell-bottom undergarments 
with a kind of a vest and maybe it was you know diamond studded or something or bejeweled or whatever that's called so they could go out farther for some reason i have been putting an addendum in my <laughs> ice diving class for years that if you show up in a 70s leisure shoot uh, <laughs> 70s leisure suit and a big robust mustache we're giving you, uh, you, you can <laughs> uh, you can get the old standards of the 150. Nice, but it's a very rare exception nowadays. At the surface, the loose end of the diver safety line should be a tied to a reliable automobile bumper, of course. B <laughs> tied to a long ice fishing chisel and hammered into the ice. Or C, tied to the safety diver's waist? Uh, no. So, I mean, now how we do it is we'll take some actual ice screws made for screwing into the ice, you know, uh, and holding things securely on the ice. So that's what we use. And all the slack line goes into a container like a nice tall bucket and you know just neatly put in there so it can be deployed without nodding without getting tangled up and you can't pull it all into the into the water right so what good is that safety line if it's not fastened to anything and you're on the surface it's icy it's cold it's wet you got gloves on easily pull it right out of your hands the diver yes. could so yeah what are you, they saying the you car bumper Car bumper? Are they, are they? Did they say car bumper? Because I'm gonna, no, I'm no, gonna no, lose no, my mind. No, no, they, they're saying, they're, no, they're gonna say the the, the chisel right there. So okay, that it's okay. secure. So all right, so I'll, I'll Wait, let me yeah, just keep the, going. The, with this. Yeah, the last thing you want to hear somebody yell, who's tending line on an ice dive is, Sparks, son of a, yeah. So I would say, uh, you know. Much like the ice screw, I think uh, maybe they didn't have ice screws back then, so they would chisel the a spud or something into the ice that would uh, be a fastening point for the safety, you know, the open end of the safety tether. But I mean, they, they talk say, about the car bumper, which is funny because well, yeah, but so so for us, a reliable weekend, car we would bumper. have we would have needed a three quarter mile long exactly. rope to get <laughs> right. it to a car bumper. <laughs> uh, it, I liked the key thing was reliable car bumper because right, somebody yeah, yeah. <laughs> mother fuck you just took my bumper you can't tie it to Terry's bumper <laughs> his bumper's ridiculous that thing's, that's not gonna make it through a pull the free end of the safety line must be secured to something which will not move and cannot fall through the hole long ice fishing chisels driven into the ice have proven best for this purpose as a further precaution. Tie a float onto the end of the safety line, and uh, today, yeah, we anchor them mm -hmm. with uh, with ice screws, right? Yeah, I like that idea of tying the float on the, the end. If it, you know, especially back then, I'm, we don't really need it now. We anchor it and, and attach it with yeah. a locking carabiner onto the to the ice screw. And lastly, number fifteen, Tiffany, can I please have the question for? Final Scuba IQ Jeopardy. If you should become separated from the safety line while diving under the ice, the correct action to take is 
A, ascend to the ice and remain stationary. B, use your compass to set up a search pattern to find the hole. Or C, ascend to the ice and swim in ever-widening circles to locate the hole. Oh, this is now this is actually a pretty good question. This is a actually this is a really good a, a question. thought-provoking question. My my whole thing with ascending to the surface, I guess you're using a lot less gas, right? Um, and you should be looking for your shoveled spokes and be able to follow them to the center of the the, the circles and sure. get you at the hole, right? Now we don't always have the spokes. You sh- right, like this past weekend, we conditions prevented it. The environment prevented it. We didn't have the snow to make them. So, wait, wait. I we, we I can see you really rambling through these answers. I need to get some answer some final Jeopardy music. So we got a time. We got to got to have a time yeah. limit on this. And the only reason I'm doing that, James, is because uh, that's all how these game shows do it with these question and answer things. Um, I, I'm going to have to go with the compass back to the hole i think the ever-widening circle the problem is at some point you're going farther away from your opening you know what i mean so keep in mind and keep in mind the 1970s right right. but you're going farther away and try to do a circle when you have crappy vis i mean you don't you don't know where you started that circle so you're ever widening you might not even be going in a circle yeah but so this is the purpose of the safety divers so that the safety divers can catch you Right. So why wouldn't you take a compass heading back towards the hole? I do see the part where maybe the ever-widening circle will, you'll eventually get there if you can do an ever-widening circle. Remember, you don't have any line on. Are you, you're searching for the line. I get, and it's, if you have a floating line, you should be able to find it up there at the surface. So ever-widening well, circle. You know, in, no, nowadays, like I always carry, just like when I'm out in open water, I've got a pre-rigged, Deployable SMB that I have in my dry right. suit pocket, which works great. Now under that the doesn't ice. do you any good. Deploy under the your ice. ice snorkel, James. <laughs> but what I what I do do nowadays is do I do have do? a a pre rigged spool that's tied off to an ice screw, so that yeah, that's if, the way to do if, it. If something like this did happen, right, I could tie in right. to the surface mm-hmm. and run a you know run a search. But back in these days, that wasn't even a possibility. No. No, ideally, that's that the best way to handle that. So, yeah, the, the ever-widening circle. We, we can scratch out C. Scratch out C. Which leaves you with using a compass or ascending to the ice and remaining stationary. Ascend to the ice, remain stationary. You don't want to go further away from the hole. The compass it may take you to the side of the hole, and you keep swimming past it. Right. So the purpose of the safety divers, right? So in theory, like if you found yourself off off the line, the line tender would feel that line go limp or no response would be answered and then pull the line in to see no diver there. And the safety divers would be Well, they deployed, would be deployed, right? yeah, immediately. Yeah, so I mean, when... And the idea of the safety diver being on that longer line is they can get out past and they're going to do a sweep on the surface and that line should theoretically tag you right right so that's what i say so you, a was the answer use your inflatable vest to conserve air keep your legs down safety divers will soon begin a circular sweep pattern at the surface with a floating line when you fail to respond to line signals 
Yeah, and the key thing there is that that line tender on the diver that lost his, his tether has to be awake, alert, aware in the game. <laughs> you know, realize, hey, there's nothing on the end of this line. <laughs> yes, you know yeah, I mean? that's that's why that, that job of the tender is a very important one that you have to take seriously. I mean, all those jobs are important. Oh, yeah. Well, all right, that was the Scuba IQ Quiz, the Ice Diving Cold Miser Quiz. Did you score 15 out of 15? If you did, you just won a Great Dive Podcast full scholarship to MIT. Now, Brando, MIT might not be the MIT that they're thinking of, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, there is that one MIT out there that a few (laughs) folks know of with uh, pretty smart people. Our MIT is the Miser Ice Diving Testing Facilities. <laughs> the Miser Ice Diving Testing Facilities. The Miser Instructor in Training Course. <laughs> so you can be a heat miser or a cold miser. I could have anyway. used a couple heat misers over uh, oh, over lordy. the weekend. Lordy, lordy. Yeah, that would have been nice. Well, all right, everybody. We hope you enjoyed uh, a, another little fun little soiree into underwater ice diving this week. We got some good fun stuff coming up at you in these next couple of weeks. Doing another scuba quiz was a lot of fun. I enjoyed this. Tiffany did fantastic revealing these light-up answers, walking around in her... 1980s sparkly sequined gown and big hairsprayed hair. I myself look fantastic in this light brown butterfly collared leisure suit. <laughs> Brando, marvelous in his white bell bottoms, platform shoes, the flowing feathered hair, the 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 mustache. Just it, it, you should bring Nailed this it. look back. It's it's pretty awesome. Do I'm gonna do it. I, I mean, it's about time it comes back. Everything else in the world is kind of fucked up. Why not our the way we look? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's going outside anyways. Might as well. Might as well walk around looking ridiculous. Okay, let's uh, let's sign some ice diving logbooks, eh? Dear James, uh, I'd rather see it 40, 30, 20, and then I'd freeze. I'd never want to see a day below 50 degrees. Get well soon, Ice Miser. I know I said those lyrics a little. I rearranged them a little from the original song, Not just bad. to uh, you know it's an artistic um, license there. Randall, hit me. Danger, thin ice. <laughs> All right, everybody. We'll see you next week for some more of the Great Dive Podcast. Thanks for joining us. As always. Now, the big hand.
me snow miser. Whatever I touch turns to snow in my clutch. Ha, ha. I'm too much. Ha. <laughs>